0: So we have arrived. Today begins what we in the liturgical church world refer to as Holy Week. This is the journey to the cross that we have been meandering down these last five weeks. So we've spent time wondering and reflecting. And this five weeks moves kind of slow and intentionally, but... It's at a gentle pace, and now it's about to speed up a lot. Over the coming days, we will again walk with Jesus through his last days, leading up to Friday, when we will be remembering the crucifixion. In some ways, uh, this makes this week a bit of a frantic week, as we run from last moment to last moment. It's almost a jarring change from the rest of the pace of Lent. But there is still this week to reflect, and so tonight we're going to be wrapping up this part of the sermon series that we've been calling Queering the Christian Faith, and if you've missed any of it, you can always uh, check them out on our podcast, which you can find through our website. Uh, Now, I'm basing this sermon series, once again, on a book called uh, Queer Virtue that's written by an Episcopal priest, and the basic theory is this. One discerns an identity. One risks telling oneself and others about that identity. One engages with others, touches others to explore that identity. One confronts and is confronted by scandal. One lives out one's identity with and through community, looking to the margins to see who is not yet included. This is the queer journey, and this is the Christian journey. And today, as we wrap things up, we're going to be looking at the idea of scandal, and particularly scandal in the queer identity, and especially in the queer Christian identity, and what that has to show us about living out the scandalous identity of being a follower of Jesus, or even just Christian. Now, scandal is one of those things that is maybe a D.C. staple. Here in DC, everybody loves a good scandal. I mean, nothing gets people's juices going like that juicy piece of gossip, you know, that titillating little tidbit that nobody else knows until you tell everyone else. And mostly this is meant to spread something that was probably hoped to never get out. Now, sometimes, these are things that need to get out. Think about those deep, dark secrets that need the, uh, as they say, the sanitizing light of sunlight. Others, it's intended to tear someone down. Or sometimes, someone or something, sometimes even unfairly. And it usually follows a similar pattern. Scandal begins with the leaking out of some information, and it causes an outrage, oftentimes a public outrage. And the more public something becomes, the more scandalous it is. And it becomes an ever-increasing, as time goes by, until finally there is some form of resolution. Even if it's unsatisfactory resolution, it comes to an end when there is some form of resolution. And that is the life cycle of a scandal. And what's interesting is, depending on who is driving the scandal, this can be a good thing. Or, this can be a harmful thing. Because you may not have thought about it before, but a scandal can actually be a really good thing, because sometimes we need the disruption of the scandalous. Now, for the queer person, scandal has long been a part of the journey. For generations, it's been the case that the queer identity had to be hidden and kept quiet, hidden in the darkness of closets. It's been only really over the last half century, but really the last two decades, that that really has begun to shift to where today people uh, across society are finding acceptance and openness about one's identity. But even then, today, in 2019, there are still places where it isn't safe to come out. And much of this has come about because of brave individuals standing up and embracing the scandal, embracing the blowback by standing out proudly. To embrace a scandal is to own it, to say, yes, this is who I am, and this is what I'm standing for. No matter what others say, I am proud to stand on the principles and values that guide me. And I'm not afraid to be who I am. Thinking about it like that, you can easily see how scandal has been a part of the queer identity for a long time. And also, if you think about my beloved United Methodist Church, you can see how scandal continues to be a part of the queer Christian identity. Now, one part of scandal that's particularly difficult is it's not for everyone. Sometimes scandal is too much, and I understand that. Scandal, it can be scary if you're not ready to live, the consequ- live with the consequences of it. That can be a really hard thing to do, to step into the midst of a scandal. But Jesus was not somebody who ran from a scandal. In fact, Jesus was intentionally scandalous. And Jesus taught us to, well, live into the scandalous as well. A scandal by its very nature is disruptive, as I said just a minute ago. And the one driving it determines if it's good or not. Jesus, in his ministry, knew that people needed a new way. He knew that people needed disruption in their lives. Jesus saw how the weight of the law had become a burden, especially on the most vulnerable. Jesus understood the systemic oppression of empire that also created harm and left so many without. Jesus knew all of this and throughout his ministry reached out to what we today might call the least the lost and the lonely, those that are left behind by society. And in doing so, he often brushed up against and caused scandal. We see it over and over and over again throughout the Gospels, whether it was healing on the Sabbath or touching the sick or welcoming and acknowledging the presence of women or hanging out with sex workers and the tax collectors. And on top of that, Jesus was preaching and teaching about a world in which the powerless are equal or even greater than the powerful, and teaching about liberation and a power that was even greater, and found in the strength of their Creator. And all of this, leading up to what we will spend this week contemplating and ultimately remembering, all of this scandal led to Jesus— hanging from the cross, and dying. Even in our scripture this evening, we find Jesus warning the disciples that the time was coming when he would not be with them. He's warning them also that if they are to continue to be his followers, they've really got to pull on their big girl pants and be ready to take on everything that is about to happen to Jesus they have to be ready to not run away though we're going to see them do just that later on this week they have to be ready to embrace the scandal that is the supernova scandal that happens at the end of this week they have to be ready to run straight into it and be ready to cause scandal because if they're going to be followers of Jesus, if they're going to teach these ways of Jesus, scandal is going to find them whether they want it or not. This whole story of Jesus thing, it's, it's pretty simple actually, kind of. Jesus entered the world as a tiny baby in the divine mystery of being fully human and that's at the same time fully divine. He experienced life as one of us and knew very much the struggle of a world broken by corruption and greed and intolerance and power. And he knew this, this system that is the world needed to be disrupted. And his ministry did exactly that. He challenged the social norms and he disrupted the power structures. And he did it all through peace and nonviolence. And this carried him all the way through to the cross and his death. When you think about the story of the crucifixion, Jesus could have stopped it at so many points. Jesus could have allowed Peter to, and the other disciples to fight for him. And as we all know, Peter did try. And Jesus rebuked him and gave, him now, gave that now famous phrase, those who live by the sword will die by the sword. Pilate questions Jesus, and Jesus barely responds. Pilate almost begs Jesus to give him a reason to let Jesus go. And Jesus offers nothing in his own defense. And if you really want to get into it, Jesus could have called on all of the heavenly powers in the same way that he was tempted to back when he was in the desert before his ministry. He could have called on them to destroy everyone that opposed him. And yet, Jesus didn't. Jesus could have done so very many things differently, and the end that we come to on Friday might not have happened. But Jesus didn't do those things. Jesus willingly took on the pain and torture, and ultimately a torturous death. He walks straight into the scandal and openly embraced it. Now, we can't know exactly how well-known Jesus was prior to the crucifixion because, you know, numbers, they're an interesting thing. But we know this. After his death, the movement of the way of Jesus grew exponentially. Jesus walked right into scandal, undeterred by the consequences and the naysayers, and he took on the scandal. And because he did that, we continue to see the ripples of that today. The ripples of that disruptive work, even today, because we're here right now. And we still hang on to the scandalous last days of a poor man from Galilee who taught about a different way, a better way. But the fact is, it wasn't just Jesus who did this. Jesus also invited his followers to take on his mantle and to continue to push the world to change and to be better. And that means Jesus is also asking us to do the same. Now, I can't help but think about how the scandals of queer people have also paved the way for people like me to be here today, for the world to be a more open and just and welcoming place, Courageous individuals like the gender queer ones who led folks out of bars and into the streets and dared cops to arrest them and the world to ignore them. It is the folks who risked their lives, risked it all to live life for themselves and they created paths for others. It was individuals and groups like ACT UP that refused to remain silent as as the deadly plague of HIV-AIDS swept through the queer communities. It reminds me of the courageous queer people who stood on the doors of power and refused to stop banging on the door until it was opened for all to walk through. It reminds me of folks serving in the military today who were courageous enough to come out as transgender individuals and even today are at risk because of a ban on their service. In these folks, I see a ministry of holy disruption that runs right into scandal and proudly owns it, says, this is mine. I'm proud of this scandal. I see it in the movement of the Holy Spirit moving us towards justice and inspiring us to dream a better world, just as Jesus did. I hear in them the call to take up the struggle, just as they did, just as Jesus did, just as the disciples did, just as countless Christians have done in the past, and we are invited to do today. As we inv- in- as we view a world in need of more scandal and disruption, and so today, as we begin again the march towards the cross, as we remember the crowds gathered in Jerusalem, the crowds that shouted Hosanna, and the shouts that crowded, cro- the shout mm. the crowds that shouted Crucify. As we remember Christ crucified, as we remember pain and sorrow and hope and uncertainty all jumbled together, we also remember Jesus the scandalous, Jesus the disruptor, who invited all who wished to follow him to do the same. To take up disruption and dream of a better world, to hope for a world of equality and equity and hope in a world that may try to tear you down. It may try to shame you, but ultimately has no power because the one who has created all things, the one who has created each one of us, has called us to embrace the most scandalous way of all, the way of love, loving God, loving our neighbor, loving ourselves. May we dwell in and on that love as we walk this week and await the first light of Easter next Sunday. Amen.